0: Hello, everyone, and thank you once again for joining me. We are back to uncover more serial killers that stays under the radar, but eventually gets caught. As always, viewer's discretion is advised because we're talking about violence, murder, and possible drug use. Without further ado, let's get started with Patrick Baxter, followed by Arthur Bishop. Patrick Baxter was born on April 28, 1969, in White Plains, New York. In the span of three years, one girl and two women were sexually assaulted and subsequently murdered in Westchester County. Initially, they were believed to be unrelated cases as the victims were of different races, shared no commonalities, and each was killed in a different town. Thanks for advancement in DNA technology, all three murders, which had become some of the county's oldest cold cases, were finally connected and solved. These were the following. Michelle Walker, 14, on June 6, 1987, Walker, a black ninth graded student, was sent by her mom to buy pizza and a carton of milk at a store in Yonkers. While returning home, she walked along a popular trail but didn't return home. The next day, her body was found in a wooden area of the trail with her cash and jewelry missing. It was determined that she had been sexually assaulted and died from asphyxiation as her attacker had covered her nose and mouth. At the time, the then 18-year-old Baxter was living at an apartment in the neighborhood which was overlooking the trail. Although the authorities wanted to question him, he was due in court for a separate case and due to law at the time, he couldn't be questioned in the murder. Patricia England, 19, on New Year's Day the same year, England, a white resident of Yonkers, went out to visit a friend to celebrate her birthday. However, she vanished and her frozen body was found two months later in Greensburg, close to Yonkers' border. She had been sexually assaulted and likely killed via asphyxiation, with the crime scene occurring at a different place and the killer later transporting the body to the location. At first, Patricia's boyfriend was considered a suspect but was ruled out via semen sample. The boyfriend had previously worked with Baxter at an auto repair shop in Yonkers where they befriended each other. Through him, Patrick learned about Patricia. Lisa Gibbons, 25, originally from Manhattan. Gibbons moved to Tacaho in the late 1980s in search of a quieter life. She had recently found a new job as a medical officer's receptionist at Hartsdale, and on July 17, 1990, she was en route to work when she was attacked near the Crestwood train station. Her attacker ripped through her clothing and sexually assaulted her, tossing her pantyhose aside. After finishing, he shot her once in the back of the head with a sawed-off shotgun before stealing her purse and jewelry. She was later discovered by a bicyclist. The killing shocked the community, as murders were a rarity in Takahoe. At the same time, her boyfriend was a carpenter named Douglas Steadman, were considered suspects, but both were later eliminated. Baxter came across Gibson by chance, as his only connection to the area was hanging out with some friends at the Crestwood train station. Since 1990, Patrick Baxter was jailed and released from prison on several occasions for different crimes. In the mid-1990s, he was convicted of auto theft in the Bronx and sentenced to three to seven years imprisonment at the Downstate Correctional Facility in Fishkill, which eligibility for parole in 2001. In early 2000, investigators examined cold cases, noticed that Baxter's name kept popping up in relation to these cases, and they ordered him to give a blood sample for testing. After a legal battle, a sample was provided, which matched the killer's DNA in all three cases. Charges were soon filed, and Baxter was brought to trial in 2002. He was convicted of all three murders and sentenced to 25 years to life imprisonment for each murder to be served consecutively. During his sentence, he expressed his condolences to the victim's families, but calmly denied committing the murders. So we're going to take a break right there and talk about him for a second. Um he did not know any of these women and just randomly attacked them. The little girl was just minding her business, just gonna get some pizza and some milk and never returned home. I'm not understanding what his modus was obviously just to kill to kill, but these were definitely unnecessary and he definitely had some loose screws in his head, obviously. Um, so, yeah, let's go and talk about Arthur Bishop. Arthur Gary Bishop was born on September 29, 1952, in Hickley, Utah, the oldest of six brothers. Bishop was raised in a devout, later-day Saint, Mormon, and was an Eagle Scout and an honor student. When he was 19, Bishop served as a missionary in the Philippines. Bishop was arrested for embezzlement in February 1978 and given a five-year suspended sentence but he skipped his parole and fled to Salt Lake City living under the alias Roger Brown. In October 97 the LSD church excommunicated Bishop. Bishop killed his first victim a four-year-old named Alonzo Daniels on October 14th 1979. Bishop lured the boy from the courtyard of his apartment complex to his own apartment with the promise of free candy. After attempting to sexually assault the child, Bishop drowned him in a bathtub and subsequently buried the boy's body in the desert. In November 1980, Bishop killed for the second time. At a skating rink, he met an 11-year-old boy named Kim Peterson, whom he lured to his apartment on the prefix of buying a pair of roller skates the boy was trying to sell. Witnesses described the man Peterson had talked with at the roller skating rink the day prior to his disappearance as being white, age 25 to 35, around 200 pounds, and with dark hair. Bishop bludgeoned Peterson to death with his body, and his body was buried close to that of Alonzo Daniels outside of the Cedar Fort. Bishop was again routinely questioned but was not considered a suspect in Peterson's disappearance. On October twentieth, nineteen 1981, Bishop killed for the third time, luring a four-year-old named Danny Davis from a supermarket to his home a half block away. Several shoppers recalled, recalled a smiling man standing near the child but could only give vague descriptions as to his appearance. Police launched one of the biggest searches in Salt Lake City history teams of searchers squ- scoured neighborhoods searching fields and nearby mountains divers dredge ponds and lakes shoppers at the supermarket where davis vanished agreed to undergo hypnosis in an effort to dislodge greater details of the abductor flyers were printed offering $20,000 reward and the fbi was contacted but went unable to find any traces of the boy almost two years later on june 22nd 1983 Bishop struck again, abducting a boy named Troy Ward from a park near his home the day after his sixth birthday. Troy was seen leaving the park on foot with the man just prior to 4 p.m. With the prior victims, Bishop sexually assaulted him, bludgeoned him, and drowned him in the bathtub. So, I'm not understanding why all three of those things was necessary, but we're going to keep reading. One month later, on July 14th, Bishop killed his final victim, 13-year-old Graham Cunningham, who vanished from his neighborhood prior to embarking upon a camping trip with a friend and an adult chaperone, Arthur Bishop. The boy's disappearance was statewide news. Local police looked into their past reports and found that Bishop, known also as Roger Brown, lived in the facility for the abductions and knew the fifth child's parents. Police brought Downs, and for questioning on the prefix of him assistant officers with their inquiries into gain Cunningham's disappearance. At the station, police named to obtain Downs real name and eventually got him to confess to all five murders. The next day, Bishop led the police to three skeletons near Cedar Fort and two more recent corpses near the big Cottonwood Creek. Bishop told police he obtained a thrill from the act of murder, stating, quote, I do it again, unquote. Bishop was brought to trial on February 27, 1984. During his trial, Bishop claimed that an addiction to child pornography molded his violent sexual fantasies and eventually drove him to act them out. The trial lasted three weeks. On March 19, 1984, Bishop was found guilty of five counts of first-degree murder, five counts of aggravated kidnapping, and one count of sexual abusing a minor and sentenced to death. Upon receiving... His sentence, Bishop apologized to the victim's families and made a request to be executed by lethal injection. After his conviction, he wrote a letter in which he explained the motivation for his crimes. End quote. I am a homosexual pedophile convicted of murder and pornography was a determining factor in my downfall. Somehow I became sexually attracted to young boys and I would fantasize about them naked. Certain bookstores offered sex education, photographic, or art books, which occasionally contained pictures of new boys. I purchased such books and used them to enhance my masturbating fantasies. Finding and procuring sexual arousing materials became an obsession. For me, seeing pornography with lighting a fuse on a stick of dynamite. I became stimulated and had to gratify my urges or explode. All boys became mere sexual objects. My conscience was desensitizing my sexual appetite, entirely controlled my actions. End quote. Bishop was executed by lethal injection at Utah State Prison in Point of Mountains on June 10, 1988. He declined a last meal. Prior to his execution, he again expressed remorse for the crimes. End quote i want to offer again my most profound and heartfelt apologies to my victims families i am truly sorry i have tried my best to emphasize what their grief and devastation and i hope they come to know of my concerns and prayers for them end quote well i know that was a lot of detail and a lot of facts to take in um Yeah, that was literally a mouthful. And I'm honestly glad we covered this one today because I've never even came across them. And this is why we are called Unknown Serial Killers. Well, hopefully, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this two for one special this week. Um, Join me next week for another Unknown Serial Killer. And remember, friends, be nice to people. You never know who they killed. See you guys next week. Bye.